So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. This is episode number 42. Oh, my gosh. We're, we're just keep adding numbers to these things. I've got a great guest for you today. His name's Tom Caffarella. Is that right? You got yes! it. Yes. <laughs> I knew I'd get it. Yeah. Um, and he has got an amazing story of really had he had a dream of, I think, passive income from the beginning He's had really good mentors in his life that has shown him the way, but uh, I'm going to let him uh, give him his official introduction because he can do it better than I can. And uh, so, Tom, welcome to the show, brother. Tell us, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and, and uh, what you've been doing. Cool. So yeah, I mean, uh, growing up, I grew up in a, a suburb outside of the, the Boston area. Um, grew up, you know, family didn't have a lot of money, but the only person I knew that, that did have a decent amount of money was my grandfather. And he came here from Italy um, way back when, and he he worked minimum wage jobs his whole life. But the one thing that he did do was buy multifamily real estate in and around the greater Boston area. And so Growing up, you know, he was probably in his, you know, early 60s, mid 60s. He was the only person I knew that really didn't have to work that hard. Um, he, you know, was able to spend whatever he wanted to spend his money on. He was very successful. And so even with that being said, even seeing that he was successful and knowing that I wanted to get into real estate passively, um, everybody encouraged me, go to school, get a good job, work your way up the corporate ladder. And not knowing anything. I mean, you know, you're a 13, 14, 15, 16 year old kid. I mean, you just listen to people. I mean, you don't know the right way. So, um, I went to college. I always did really good in school, graduated with an accounting degree, started working, um, at a big accounting firm right outside of college. And almost the day I got there, I knew I wasn't going to make it. Um, you like a ton of bricks, huh? hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't really realize what it was. And I was never surround, surrounded with entrepreneurial type people. So I thought that there was something wrong with me. Reality is I, I'm a pretty entrepreneurial person, very entrepreneurial. And it was kind of just like, you know, trying to fit, you know, a square peg in a round hole type of thing. And I wanted to get into real estate at that time, you know, being 20, 21, 22, didn't have the guts to do it. So I would sit there at my desk every single day looking for it to turn five o'clock to go home. Uh, and most of the days I'd sit there and I'd be reading about real estate to the point where I ended up getting fired. They, they called me, the person who owned the company called me into their office and they said, look, you know, we know you're doing real estate on the side and this is really a, a full-time job. Obviously, you're, you're not passionate about accounting. And so we think it's probably best to kind of just part ways. And that drive home was, was pretty rough. 
And, you know, I know it wasn't the end of the world. And for a lot of people, they're probably like, well, you know, getting fired from a job is not a big deal. But I never really failed at anything in my life. And I always worked extremely hard. And it was just like, I I couldn't believe it. And, you know, on the ride home, I'm thinking in my head, well, how am I going to get my next job? And at the time, I mean, this is, again, going to sound crazy. I was 21, 22. At At the time, actually, I was probably 23, 24 years old, living with my parents And I thought, wow, like I'm going to take a big risk and go on my own. And I actually thought it was a big risk at the time. And looking back, it was one of the least risky things I could have done. I had no debt. I had, you know, no, no bills to pay. I was living with my parents, but just, it was a mental thing that being self-employed was going to be this big deal. And, um, I said, the one thing I did think that was right was I said to myself, if I'm going to do it, I've got to do it now while I'm younger and I don't have a lot of bills. And so I, I decided to go after it. I always wanted to be a passive income investor. I always wanted to, to buy multifamilies. And I you, thought- you, it, look, you look back at your, it was your uncle, right? It was my grandfather. Or your grandfather. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second. That's what he was doing, right? Yep. Like you fun- had the perfect model from like, you saw a perfect model. I saw I saw a perfect model, but what's interesting about it is I thought when I really thought about what his life was like and I thought about what I wanted to do, I thought I wanted to earn enough passive income to not work. Right. Uh, come to find out, I love working. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't because of the passive income portfolio I've built up, I don't have to work a lot. But the reality is is I still work 80, 90 hours a week because I love real estate and I love what I do. And I think that you know, anybody who's in real estate is very fortunate because most professions, people get up, they hate what they do, but real estate is, is truly fun. It is, man. So I got to tell you, so you don't even know this. We have a similar story because I got fired okay. as well. Okay. Right? I, and I always remember like I got fired from, I was a financial advisor. And when the market crashed, my heart left the business because like it was just a, a horrible time and people would come into my office crying. And so my numbers started to slip and, and then one day they come in and I really wanted to do real estate. See, I started my company in 2005 and it's the same story. Like, you know, I'm just like, I remember getting fired and thinking, man, this sucks. Yep. Right. And you're like, I got a, I got a plan. Now I'm 30 though at the time and I got a wife, a kid and a mortgage. It's <laughs> a lot different. So, but dude, how sharp is that just to have the foresight to like to really assess your, you know, like, Here's where I'm at. I've got, I've got it good. I'm, I'm with my folks. This would be like the perfect time to take a little bit of risk. And, kind of, kind right. of. You, you say foresight, but I got fired. So the, it, it would force been, you. Yeah, it forced me. And, and you know, I, I say this to people who are thinking about getting into real estate investing. Like, don't wait for that to happen to you. Because in some cases, it may never happen. You may not get lucky enough to get fired. Yeah, amen to that, brother. And that, but that was the catalyst that sent you on a trajectory because once you got there, then you had to start figuring things out, right? Oh man. And you know, I don't care who you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how hard you work in the beginning. When you're starting your own business, you've got to get prepared to get your teeth kicked in because you get your teeth kicked in for a period of time. I'm still getting my teeth kicked in now. It's just that now I kind of know how to move around. I'm a little bit more nimble, but when you first start, it's like, man, because nobody, nobody teaches you how to be an entrepreneur. Nobody teaches you how to build a business. And there's just all of these things. And the market gives back to you how good you are, essentially. Yeah. You, know, you make as much money as, as you're worth. 
And in the beginning, you're worth more as an employee than you are as an entrepreneur because you're, you're a baby as an entrepreneur when you first start. And it takes a little bit of time to build that up. And you, you know, you've, got to, you've got to be prepared. One of the things you mentioned in the beginning is, is mentorship. And one of the mistakes that I made in the beginning that I would you know, correct immediately if I was a newer person is I would find a mentor because you're going to get kicked in the teeth, but you'll get kicked in the teeth less if you have somebody who's already been through the fight themselves. Yeah. You know what? A good mentor has a way to like look into the future of your future and be like, here's what you're doing. And I see some things that you don't even know that's out there that oh, yeah. could potentially happen. And I want to save you from that pain, right? Exactly. Um, you know, my mentor is actually uh, in Boston, David Lindahl. Okay. Yep. So David Lindahl's from Boston and uh, he actually wrote the foreword to my book. I have, I have a, a warm spot in my heart for anybody from Boston. It's, it's interesting because he is a little bit outside of the greater Boston market. I don't consider where he's at Boston. Yeah, he's from the South, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's one of those people I've never bumped into. And um, he's, he's very well known and, you know, he's mentored tons of people, but I've never bumped into him. And I, I bumped into probably every investor around here. So it's kind of interesting that you mentioned his name. He's kind of like a, a, you know, a Greek legend to me type of thing right now. Great guy. I mean, and he teaches cash flow as well. I mean, he's the one who sent me on my way in the apartment business, really. I mean, he gave me the training and the foundation. And then, you know, as you learn from other people, still, this is the great thing about real estate. And correct me if I'm wrong for you, but every time you find good mentors or good people that are actually doing real estate, sometimes you can bolt on what you're doing because you talked to me earlier before we started the show that you have multiple streams of income, mm -hmm. right? And you've learned that from different people. So, like, Help me um, talk about your success here for a bit and like all the little businesses you've got going because it's pretty remarkable, actually. So the first thing that you mentioned is, is mentorship. And I said about you know two minutes ago that if you're in the beginning stages of your career, you need mentors. I have more mentors that I pay for now than I did when I first started because I can afford more mentors. The way I look at it now, I mean, I'm turning 36 in a couple of weeks. Um, I've got three kids. I'm married. Um, I'm not that old. A lot of people would consider me young, but the way I look at it now is if I can pay somebody to shave two years off of my learning curve, I just ask them what, what's the price. Yeah. And so I do have multiple streams of income and every single one of those streams of income has be, been taught to me by somebody. I've got a real estate brokerage that is 250 agents. Um, that model was brought to me by uh, a mentor of mine. That's a, a big Keller Williams team leader over in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, the fixing and flipping side of the business. Hey, is it uh, Keller Williams, right? Can you say his name? Brett Tanner. Dude, I know Brett Tanner. He's a good friend of mine. He's awesome. I, I knew it was going to be Brett Tanner. I just knew it. Yeah. yeah I know. Dude, tell Brett that we said hi because Brett knows me well. That's I, funny. He knew me. I, know, I knew him before he really got into the short sale game. Like, okay. We're talking way back. Yeah, I don't even think he does a lot of short sales. No, as of but, but, today. but I, yeah. I remember when he came to me one day, we had a meeting. I was a financial advisor at that time. And he's like, Corey, I'm going to tell you right now. And like, he was so serious. He's like, dude, I figured out the short sale, sale game and I am going to absolutely own it and crush it. Yep. And he has. Yep. And then, and then he moved to, and then the market changes and he, and he changed with it. But I mean, that really propelled him in his game. Yeah, he's 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 good. Um, when I when I first started um, coaching with him, I had probably ten or fifteen agents, and he, you know, it's just small adjustments, you know, and cutting cutting years off the learning curve. So 
with the brokerage model. I mean, it, it was him and, and a couple other people, but, yeah. but he was the main one who showed me that model. The fixing and flipping side of the business, I originally started as a home investors franchisee. Mm-hmm. And I had a local coach, uh, they call them area developers in the fr- in, in that model. I'm no longer a, a franchise owner, but um, that's how I got my start there. Do you know uh, Mike Cambright? I know Mike Cambright out of Dallas and yep. um, Mike's no longer with, with them either. Yeah, yep. He's a great guy. He's doing very well. In fact, the coaching aspect of my business was, was actually taught to me by Mike Cambright because he does a lot of coaching. Yep. He does a lot of local area seminar type coaching and I'm doing that as well now too. So that's another stream of income for me along with the rental um, business that was taught to me a little bit by my grandfather and you know some kind of just learned along the way. So multiple streams of income because I, I do believe that um, you know things change. And this market right now, there's a ton of money being made for me, at least on the fix and flip side of the business. Two years ago, I said to myself, this is not going to last. There's going to be a year when my fixing and flipping business makes nothing, or maybe we lose a little bit of money or whatever. So I've got to even out my cash flow during that time. You know, I I don't want my income to go down or if it goes down, I don't want it to go down dramatically while I'm, you know, in my mid thirties and have kids. So I built out the, the brokerage model. I, um, you know, built out the coaching model so that when, when the market does change and no one can tell you when the market is going to change, but we do know it's getting high again and it's not going to last. So just trying to bulletproof myself and, you know, weatherproof myself as much as possible for the next storm. Dude, that is, I love that whole segment right there. Just because, Hey, it's funny how small the circle is. Okay. Oh yeah. Like when, for educators, like people that are really good educators that have good Solid system. So my, my buddy, Brett Tanner, solid as, as all get out. Now, here's what I think is remarkable. And I think this is a testament to who you are. And I think most successful entrepreneurs, when they say, see a system that works, you just follow it. Yep. I've, I've tried to recreate the wheel. It, not a good idea. Right? Not a good idea. No. And like, people are like, it's that easy. I'm like, hey, listen, every system works if you follow it. Yep. Right. And where we get in the way most of the time is that we try to figure, oh, well, I can do it better. I got a better way. Mm. And dude, most of the time, that's just really not it. It's, it's a proven process for a reason. And I always believe in copy your way to your, to success or, or maybe model is the better word. Yeah. Mo- I mean, I, model I success. I, the way I look at it is like, you know, there, there's, there's best, basically best practices for everything. And you look at what everybody's doing and maybe, you know, you mentioned Mike Hambright. Maybe Mike Hambright's doing really good in this specific area of his business. So you look at that and then maybe Brett's doing better in this specific area. So you look at them. So 95% of it is literally copying. The only 5% I really adjust to my business is like, okay, you know, do I make this small tweak? It's definitely not a big tweak and it's definitely not me trying to test out like something completely new. It's just small little things. And, um, it's actually, you got to make it yours. You got to make it Tom's. You got to make it Tom's just, a, you know, a little bit, not, not too much, but just a little bit. And it's, it's actually funny because I have somebody that I work really closely with in my business now. And they say, they actually say to me, like, you copy all my stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, and you know, they, they kind of make fun of me about it, but I'm like, you don't understand. Like if I, it, that's the biggest compliment I can give you. I'm copying your stuff. That means I know you're good. And, and yeah, I'm going to take everything I can. It's, it's, it is what it is. Like, I'm not, I'm not, a, I, 
like, and when I first started, I might've been a little bit embarrassed about it. Like, you know, not copy exactly, but now I'm like, okay, this is exactly the word you used. All right. I'm going to use that word too. Yeah. So, you know, I do it with websites all the time too. Like, so sometimes uh, I was looking for a really good um, website to design for my investor profile. Right. And I found one online. I'm like, I like this a lot. So I called, I have a girl from Pakistan. I, she only see her eyes, like a little burqa, right? Yep. And um, I said, hey, this is one I want. She's great. So she got the whole template. And then like when they had a picture, we had a picture. Or they had bold copy, we had bold copy. Yep. And um, dude, it makes it so much simpler when you do it that way. And so, uh, and that's really with anything, like when the real estate game, especially, because if you can model other successful people, dude, it just, it gets you there so much faster. Speed is important, especially with the real estate marketing. It changed so fast. And you talked about, it's funny because you knew Brett through short sales and then short sales changed. Like, you know, he, you know, if you were to, if he were to have waited to figure out that model for two or three years, well, guess what? He could be the best short sale person in all of Phoenix, Arizona and short sales don't really exist anymore over there. So in real estate, it's even more important, I think, than other industries just because of how quickly the market can change. And you have how to be nimble. You have to be because the way that you make money, like what's working right now in a year from today, it might not work at all. It, it, so you have to be really quick to adjust. And there's always a window of, of period where the market shifts, people don't adjust. When that actually happens, that period of time that people aren't adjusting is where you can make the most amount of money if you adjust fast. Because like when the short sales start happening again, and they will start happening, the people who aren't ready for them aren't going to go after them. And the people who are ready are going to have this enormous opportunity where there's no competition. Yeah. Then once that cycle continues to go along, people start copying each other a little bit more and there's more competition and it's harder to do deals. So when that market shifts, it's really important that you act literally quickly. Yep. I mean, that was really even my story too. It's like, so I went from a wholesaling to fix and flip. Uh, and we were doing, you know, we were doing REOs first, right? Because that was the big deal, REOs. And then we went to REOs and short sales. And then we went, there was no more REOs. There was just short sales, yep. right? And then, um, then there was no more short sales. And then you had to learn to actually how to market. Now we, we started marketing for wholesale deals, learning direct mail marketing. So I, remember, doing, I remember the day that that happened. It was yeah. in Boston. It was somewhere around 2013. And I used yeah. to buy a bunch of properties on HUD Home Store. Yep. And I remember one day there, there used to be about a hundred homes that you could look at and bid on within the course of about a three month period that went down to 30 properties and all 30 properties were all being overbid. And we went through a very brief period of like two to three months where we were just overpaying for properties. And then on the back end, we weren't making anything. Yep. And I remember sitting in my office thinking, I'm going to be knocked out of the business. Like, I don't know how to survive right we now. You got to find a new plan, right? Yeah. Totally new planning. You have to shift gears and you had to and again, this is something that now, again, going through this next market cycle, I'll know. But at the time, I was hadn't been through an up market cycle. I was only used to making money in the down market cycle, so I didn't know what to do. And then once we figured out the direct mail, uh, direct mail, direct marketing, and all that good stuff, you know, our business took off again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And same thing. Once it was taught to me, I was like, oh, that's how you do that. We're mm -hmm. back to making money. And then yep. even now, so now it's, everybody's doing direct mail. So now it's like pay per click. Yeah. Or, or very segmented list. Uh, you know, there's, it's about your list, having a very pro, uh, curated list of, uh, of stuff. I mean, it's funny how the work in, in, for me, that's how I actually got into multifamilies 
is because I had to. I had a, I was raising all this money, private money to do fix and flips. And when I couldn't find any more deals, I was like, man, what's the fastest way to the cash? I'm like, man, what about apartments? And mm-hmm. so I was like, let's go figure that one out. So then that's why I found out Dave, Dave Lindahl. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, there's my new niche, right? Yeah. And so it's funny. Sometimes you get forced when the market changes, when you realize one day you wake up, you're like who moved my cheese? Mm-hmm. Then you realize like you better start searching for someone that's figured it out. And someone has, trust me. Yep. Right. For sure. And, and then once you do that, it's like, boom, we're back into the, we're back in the saddle because the one thing that's constant in real estate is it's always changing. Always changing. Yeah. And, and, and I'm even the same way cause I've been doing this since 2005, but honestly, full time since 2009, right when the crash happened. So I've been following this down market. Um, and now we, and now the upside to it is trying to figure out those strategies. And then when the market goes back down, I'm like, Oh, I already know what we're going to do. Yeah. Like we already have all those systems in place. We just bolt it back on and turn the machine back on. So the one answer I've never been able to get from anybody is how, how to most efficiently make money right when that change happens. You got you have any good answers on that? The Man. second that it, the second that it changes, I feel like there's that lag, a little bit of a lag period there. So I'll tell you, here's what we're doing right now. So I, I, I'm, I've stopped doing any single family homes, right? I'm only doing multifamilies. But for us, we are right now, we are priming capital and getting so much capital ready to deploy. We're only buying very strategic now based on cash flow and, and a model. But when we feel like when that market really does change, there's going to be a gluttony of properties where we can just start picking, 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 picking. Yeah. And that's the goal. Um, we've got infrastructure in place because uh, that's going to take now for my machine. That's even more people because we have to have managers that can go into these properties. So when we start seeing a peak, when it really gets crazy, when there's blood in the streets, when people are overpaying $20,000 on single family homes, yep. sight unseen, we'll know we're at the peak or somewhere close to it that I think we'll start uh, really ramping up staff to get ready to buy. Yeah, I think that's that's what I'm hearing from most people is like just get your cash ready for just when just have dry powder ready. Yeah, exactly. It's because tough, it's going to be like shooting tough. from a barrel. Like just it's, like oh, it's tough to be patient though. That's the one thing I know I'm going to struggle with this next time because man, I mean I like to go 100 miles an hour. And- Don't you wish? Right? I wish I could have kept half the properties that I bought and flipped. I mean, if I could have, if I would have had longer term capital back in the day, man, I would have held on to a lot of those as rentals and sell them right now and like made a four time, I mean, gosh, you could have made so much money. So, so I have, I have two other partners in, in, in the business and our business is going extremely well. The, the one negative thing that we talk about is that the one negative thing is, do you remember that deal? that we said we have to figure out a way to keep this and we just couldn't, we just couldn't get the money. We couldn't, you know, raise enough capital. We, we kept as many rentals as we could. Yep. And there were, there were, there were times where, you know, we were like, man, like if we keep one more, like where it's going to hurt the, you know, the cash flow so much that in our business itself that we just can't do it. And yep. there were a few that we let go of that, you know, Boston's an interesting market because, it bottoms out pretty hard and then it goes up really fast. So over the course of a two or three year period, I mean, we were talking about doubling and sometimes tripling in certain areas. Yeah. So there were multifamilies that we could buy for $200,000 that are now worth seven or seven fifty. 
So it, it's pretty interesting and in why, you know, you're talking about, you know, getting ready for when that does happen. Um, but we'll see. I mean, this next change, I mean, there's a lot of different opinions on how the next market will kind of change. I don't think we're going to crash as hard as we did. So it yeah, I don't be, think so either. So it would be interesting to see if there are even as many buying opportunities as some people might think. What do we but, think here in the multifamily space, we think it's going to, as your interest rates continue to rise and they've been held down for a while and, and maybe they'll still stay low, but I feel like there's a, there's going to be a time when our economy really starts to gel that they're going to start raising the interest rates. And we feel like when they start raising interest, interest rates, that the cap rates are going to go up way faster. Yep. And in that, and there's, cause there's a lot of operators and I see them all the time that are buying and they're horrible operators and they're, yep. they're operating on such razor thin models that an interest rate spike into it and they have to refi or whatever is going to crash their machine. Mm. And I feel like that's, what's going to happen. Um, my, my management company, they've been doing this since the early eighties and um, David Atkins, he's, he's kind of one of my mentors as well. And um, he's like, Corey, I've seen this happen a couple times before. He goes, and I think it'll happen again. So that was his insight to like really get ready because that is tends to be the trend is there's going to be people that they're not seasoned operators that overpay for stuff. And then just a little tweak in the rates and stuff is going to change a whole paradigm for a lot of people. So how much longer do you think we have left? I always, I always wonder what people Man, think. In my that. mind, it's like two years, but I mean, okay. I, I feel like we're on a, uh, on a prolonged Trump has, uh, you know, the, the new administration has really juiced our economy with the tax thing. And then we've got more jobs coming in. He's done really well with the economy. So I think we've got a prolonged period and maybe it's a little bit longer. I don't know. What, yeah, what, yeah. What's your thoughts? I thought we'd be done already by this time. I thought we were going to be done. Like when I started building the brokerage about three years ago, Yeah. the goal was build it over the course of two or three years. When the market crashes, I'm going to be able to, to survive and, you know, still do very well. And it's like prices have kept going up. And the weird thing that's, you know, the thing that's a little bit different about this time than, than before is people aren't getting these crazy loans. Yes. And the second thing that's different about this time, at least in my market, is that the last time the market went, went down significantly, and I mean, the last time the market went super high significantly, rents were, were very low. So pe- everybody was buying with these crazy loans and nobody was renting, so rents got pushed down. Right now, ranks are very high in Boston and prices are very high. So if the market were to fall 5 or 10%, it would really be advantageous for everybody to buy. So yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I, I really thought we'd be done by now. I still think prices are too high. But in, in my market, there's not a good alternative if, if they start to fall, the prices. There's not a good alternative to rent and get anything cheaper. So. Yeah. Exactly. It's going to be interesting, man. I mean, so like we're having a record year this year. Like, so we're going to, we'll probably purchase maybe $45 million worth of assets this year. Yeah. Like that's a lot of, that's a, it's like five projects. Um, yeah. And that's a good pace for us. Um, in fact, last year we only bought one. <laughs> so yep. to buy five this year is like, we're like, wow, that's, we're cooking and now um, we keep on like pinching ourselves, right? Like, why are we buying these five? Cause we feel like last year was really tough, but, and this year the market's even, you know, more um, crazy, but, and, but we're still buying these deals, but 
the deals are just financially sound and they make a lot of sense. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we buy all, all locally. I know you mentioned that you buy what a little bit South of Atlanta. Yeah. Well, we're, we're just the Midwest and the South. So like we'll, we're in Indiana, New Orleans, uh, South Carolina. We'd really just look at the deal per se. Yep. And then yeah, so we, we've had to shift a lot. I mean, we only buy locally. And so we used to be able to buy three, four, five, uh, six family properties, cash flow easily. We can't do that anymore because of the prices here. So what we've had to now start doing, and I like doing this, it's kind of fun, is actually developing. So we we were doing like a 55 unit um, residential complex now. Oh, nice. Which we'll get really good um, cash flow on, but uh, it's something that we wouldn't have even considered a couple of years ago because we didn't need to in order to get the cash flow. But now we're doing some bigger projects, which are going to be nice because they're going to be done and they're going to be brand new and they're going to be easier to manage but it's something that we never would have even considered a few years ago. Yep. What about raising private money, Tom? How are, I mean, how are you, where are you getting your capital for all this stuff? So we raise, uh, people always ask, oh, you know, where do you get your money? There, it comes from a lot of different sources. So, I mean, you know, we're, re- we're levered out on all of our, our personal assets that we own, personal residences because of the, the low rates. We own a lot, of, a lot of rental properties. So we've refinanced as prices have gone up. We've refinanced out and gotten money that way. We we raise private capital just from average individuals, people that have two, three, four hundred thousand dollars in their bank account and want a good rate of return. My one thing that I, I've done really well. I love is, that. I love that. By the way, that is what I teach. It's those average Americans that have some money that a they're they're not pains in the butts. Yeah. And um and they and they're easy to work with. And they expected to get a rate of return by putting their money in the bank account and they're not getting it. So it's really serving a need. And one of the things that I've done that's kind of unique um, with the 250 person real estate brokerage, we train our agents to raise capital for us. So in a lot of cases, the average person, the time where they have the absolute most amount of money in their bank account is the day after they sell their personal residence. So we train our agents just to have a conversation. Hey, have you ever thought about investing in real estate? And most people, after they, they sell their property and in Boston, the prices are high, they put three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 in their bank account. They have no plan for that money. Right. So they'll say something like, well, you know, I'm going to put it in the bank. I wish I had a better alternative. Uh, I looked at CDs. They're one or 2%. I thought about investing in the stock market, but I'm afraid to put my money in the stock market. And so we, we provide a great alternative where they can put their money into a hard asset in an area that they know at a discounted purchase prices that we have and get that monthly check every single month. Yeah. So we pay people out every single month. I mean, we, we pay 10 to 12% annualized rate of return. Yep. So typically speaking, you know, if they lend us $100,000, they're going to get a $1,000 check in the mail every month. That's huge, man. That's... Yeah. Uh, and. For seniors and people that are in retirement and, you know, because they sell an asset, they want to, their whole goal is to have some income and to be able to turn that money into a paycheck and, you're, yep. and to keep their principal alive. Dude, I mean, because everybody's afraid of running out of money. Yep. Right. And so you really do offer a service. And I believe we offer a service too. And I think this is the great thing about syndication and raising private money is it really works when everybody wins. And if you make it a win-win for everybody, um, you get to do what you love, which is real estate, right? Yeah. And, and I, and I'm me too. And then our, the money people that give us their money, they get what they want, which is steady income. 
And I've raised a lot of money from people who wanted to get involved in real estate investing. And, you know, they, they get excited about it. They, they think it's a great way to make money, but then they don't want to do a lot of the actual operations part. They don't want to manage contractors. They don't want to, you know, show up at job sites. They don't want to go out hunting for deals, doing the sales and marketing. And so we do a lot of networking events at the properties that we fixed and flip. And we'll always provide like an educational piece. Like, you know, how do you find great deals in this market? And we'll show people how to do it. A lot of times by the end, they'll say to us, well, I don't want to make phone calls. I don't want to spend money on marketing. I don't want to door knock. I don't want to do any of these things. Well, Can great. I just you give you my money? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that happens more often than not, believe it or not. You know, because a lot of people, they go to this, they go to a three-day seminar or something or they read a book or they see, you know, a webinar online and they think it's just easy. Yeah. Like any other industry, you know, it's work. So and you're, you're teaching too, right, Tom? A little bit? Yep. Yeah. So I, I always believe, so no matter where you're at in your, in your real estate career, whether you're a newbie or teach what you know, right? Yep. And become an authority of what you know. I mean, and as you get going, you'll start to learn more and more people will be attracted to that. But because I, I believe in what you just said, like wholeheartedly, because I, I even for me, I teach. And the reason for it is, and, and the reason I started this podcast <laughs> is because there's lots of people that want to learn how to do apartments. They all want to. And the reality is they can't always get there, right? I mean, because it's like I've got multiple thousands of hours of education and, and courses and money spent. I'm sure you're the same way, right, Tom? Yep. Right? And most people are not willing to make that sacrifice. And at the end of the day, they just want an easy button. Yep. And so they're, they're just like, you know what? I love you. I've learned your whole system. And I, I think it's right. I just don't have the time to do it all. I just want to give you my money. Yep. Yeah. And so like I've teach what the, you know and be a student at the same time. You should always be a teacher and a student. So I've raised over $10 million of private capital, basically doing exactly that. And it, it's gotten easier and easier. One of the things you talked about is being the authority. Um, it's harder to raise money, harder to raise capital in the beginning because people want to see a track record. Once you develop a track record, it becomes a lot easier because people can point to your successes. And you talked about the podcast. I have a podcast. And, you know, if you put my name into YouTube, you'll see hundreds of videos that come up. So the credibility, the authority, it makes it a lot easier to raise capital. And, you know, just again, you know, it's all, all it's just a byproduct of what you do because you're teaching because you want to, right? Like I teach because yeah. honestly, I feel like I've get so many people have given me so many. Uh, words of wisdoms and and honestly now and it's a model as well. I can make some I can make some livings uh, teaching and and helping educate others. But at the same time, I don't teach for the money. I teach it because that's what I love to do. But we get to help people through the process, right? And no, I make I, I definitely make more money on my actual business than I do any sort of mentorship stuff. And, yeah, and like you said, people people do do well on that side of the business, but dollar for dollar, like. I make less dollar per hour on the, the, the teaching part of my business than I do with yeah. the actual business part. So I'm the same way. I'm, I'm like, I'm a deal maker first. Like I make way more money on my deals yep. than I'll ever make in a teaching situation. And I like to say, I'm not even a guru. I'm just the guy that knows, does real estate. I, I feel like you're the kind of the same way. Like, listen, I'm the guy that does real estate, right? I'm, I'm a, I'm a worker. <laughs> You well, know? I think, you know, guru is kind of a, you know, an interesting phrase because I mean, I think, you know, it's all about having knowledge on how to do deals. And, you know, there are people who are quote unquote gurus who haven't done a lot of deals and they're just very good salespeople. And yeah. then you have some people that are gurus that are 
extremely successful and have done a lot of deals. So fixing interest, the educational space for real estate investing is is very interesting and you just have to be careful, you know, who you're paying attention to. Yeah. Some, some of the people are unbelievable. And then, you know, you get the people on the other end of the, spe- on, and the other end of the spectrum, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, cause it, it, being able to speak r- well in front of an audience is like a two-edged sword. It can be used for good or evil. Yep. Right. Um, because if you're a slick salesman, you can get into people into stuff because you're a great salesman um, and your content may not be so good. And I always say like, that was one of my mentors. He's like, listen, as you go down this road, um, integrity is everything. Right. And yep. like, just know that and be always be that. And if you'll do that, you'll, you'll always be able to hold your head high because this business is crazy and it's filled with a bunch of people that are not so ethical yep. and don't do it for the dollar. Yep. So dude, awesome. Well, listen, if people want to get a hold of you, Tom, where do they find you at? Cause since we're in the training part of it, how, how do people get a hold of you? How do they find your podcast? The best way to get in contact with me in general and to get my contact information is to sign up for my webinar at www.realestateinvestingiseasy.com. Again, that's www.realestateinvestingiseasy.com. Now, you don't have to want to watch the webinar in order to, to get access to everything. But basically, once you put your email in, then I'm going to start sending you some free training information, giving you access to my podcasting, all that good stuff. Uh, the name of my podcast is called The Real Estate Mogul Podcast. So you can Google that as well. But um, definitely the, the best way to get information from me is to put your, your contact information into that webinar. And the webinar is basically, you know, for, for people that are, are learning how to kind of replicate my model. And I have a little bit of a different model than most people. Yeah, for um, sure. And, and again, once you fill out that information, you'll get my email address and I respond to that personally. So, you know, if your audience has any questions, I'm always around to help in any capacity that I can. Dude, awesome. Dude, this has been such a good podcast. I love, you know, I feel like you're very, you're very centered. You, you kind of, I mean, you got an amazing story, by the way, just, just want to let you know, like, listen, I, I've, I hear the struggle, like the hard work that it taught, that it took to get to where you're at. But also, I mean, in my, in my mind, I, I hear that. I mean, I just hear it. It oozes that you love the business. I love the business. I, I, like I said, I mean, there's no, where else, what other industry do you show up at a party and people are talking about your, your line of work? I mean, what other line of business do people you know, grab an ice cream on a Sunday morning and just to hang out, they go visit houses. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen in other industries. So I I just think we're really fortunate. And for the people who are on here that are thinking about getting into the real estate industry, it really is as fun as, you know, you think it might be. Um, and, And that's why people get into it. And, you know, there's a lot of different industries where you can make a lot of money. If you're good at anything, you can make a lot of money in it. But to me, real estate is the most fun. And I just never feel like I'm working. I get in trouble for that because my, my wife, you know, she hates me because I, I love real estate so much. It's my hobby. So, you know, it's, it's, all, it's, <laughs> it's all, mine too. Yeah. I was up till nine o'clock last night working and, um, but I was having fun. I mean, we're getting ready to close out a deal. I'm talking with my investors and, yeah. you know, I'm having a blast. And then you know, I look up and I'm like, oh gosh, I better go check in. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, you know, in that capacity, it's probably not good, but you know, in, in terms of just, you know, being a passion thing, I think, you know, it's, it's a really easy field to be passionate about. Oh man. Thanks a lot. Hey, listen, for everybody listening right now, you know, 
If you've not done so, make sure you take the time to go to uh, Kahuna Wealth Builders and uh, get my quick start video series. That's where you learn how to get private money, how to find deals. And um, as always, we love it when you give us a five-star review on iTunes. Make sure you put some comments in there, though, because the comments are way funner to read and uh, give some shout-outs to everybody on the podcast. Uh, but listen, the, Tom is living proof, living proof that when you believe it in your mind, you start believing that you can achieve, right? You can do amazing things, find good mentors along the way, because your paradise is possible.